You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 194. Authenticity is not about just showing up on social media and just telling your story because somebody told you to just be your authentic self. That is a disaster. I call that a brand crisis. What I'm referring to here is be very clear on what you look like as a brand, what problem you can solve, and making sure that your offer or your coaching program actually matches your story, your skill sets, the problem that you can solve, your values, and most importantly, the mission, that there is a valid reason why you're doing what it is that you're doing. You're not just doing it because you're buying a job. You're doing it because there's a genuine story that has set you on this pathway. And that's where authenticity comes into the mix. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, hello, and thanks for joining the show today. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And I am once again, just kind of overflowing with gratitude today for the kinds of guests that will come on the show and share their expertise with each of you so that you can build stronger businesses, feel more confident and competent in your skill sets, maybe get a a different angle or understanding of how to partner with organizations to bring coaching forward. Just such good information that these consultants and coaches and experts are bringing forward to us through their guest appearances here on the Star Coach Show. I am super excited to introduce you to our guest today because she lit up my world. When we spent time together, it was energizing and enlightening and was a real gift. And so I'm super excited to bring that gift forward to you. My guest today is Mary Henderson, who is an internationally recognized personal branding and social selling specialist. So she brings her 20 years of experiences in building seven and eight figure businesses to us. And the point that we're going to be looking at today is her personal branding methodology and an algorithm that she talks about that has the ability to help define a person's uniqueness, their values, their passion, their expertise, what they stand for, all those things that speak to us as coaches and that we need to get clear about in our own businesses so that our communication touch points to our audience is consistent. Now, Mary is, you know, has a background in technology. She shares this incredible journey of her own self-awareness to find her purpose and her passion and how that journey that she walked is now very much a part of the work that she does with business owners to create their authentic personal brand. So today we're going to be talking about 
our natural state and how our natural state is reflected in our authentic brand. The information that Mary shares just goes on and on. It is fabulous. And it was fabulous to spend time with her. She is so heart-centered. She's compassionate. She's tenacious and thrives on helping people fulfill their dreams. I cannot wait for you to hear the interview with Mary Henderson. So let's go ahead and go to the interview and we'll see you on the other side. Mary Henderson, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am so excited to spend time with you. Well, the feeling's very, very, very mutual. Remember what I told you in our first meeting? God, you will be my perfect next door neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) So we have the delight to meet one another. Mary is, it's late where Mary is. It's early where I am. She's in Australia. And when we met, it was, it took all of 30 seconds for us to be like, oh my gosh, it is so good to know you. Exactly. My new BFF. (laughs) (laughs) You are doing such incredible work helping people get through their gunk and, and to success. So I would love to know how you kind of meandered through that journey. How did your journey take you to where you are now? You know, Meg, when I get asked this question, I always have to take a pause because there are so many angles of my story that I can start from, but there's one origin of my story that I love starting from because it puts this all into context. And that was in September, 2011, when I gave birth to my second son. And three hours after he was born, I reached out to the side of my side table to get some lip balm because my lips were dry and my business card accidentally fell on the bed. Now, at that time, I owned my own software development company, which I had for seven years, and we specialized in building online membership systems for the academic sector. And prior to that, I was in a senior sales roles in the tech industry. But this moment, Meg, I picked up that business card mm-hmm. and I could see very, very clearly and vividly that my entire life was a series of labels. And I absolutely fell apart. It was the truth in its absolute rawest, you know, possible in your face, you know, confrontation I could ever have experienced because I just also had to arrive at the truth that the company that I had built for seven years was something that I didn't like. I didn't want to be in that role. I didn't want to continue in that company. And at the end of the day, I actually bought myself a job. That was the actual truth. I had to own up to that. And I was looking for validation from my parents to tap me on the shoulder to say, Mary, we are so proud of you, even though you didn't finish your degree. Now, that story is really critical because that then led into two weeks after going into my accountant's office and declaring that I'm going to resign as the managing director of my own company, where everyone just was started to freak out and thinking, you can't just walk away from a seven-figure business. Like, what do we do now? And I said, I don't know, but I know one thing for sure. I have to get out of here and I need to go and find myself. And so 
Long story short, I stayed in the business for three months. I merged my business. Thankfully, we merged with a creative agency. And the January 2012, I made a very conscious decision that I was going to change my life, like literally change every area of my life. I gave up friends. I gave up material possessions. I gave up credit cards. I created my home as a modern ashram. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I had to go inside. I was not interested in anything outside because I had to find myself. I had three amazing mentors in a 12-month period. And the one that literally did change my life was a, a professor in philosophy from Oxford University who actually started to teach me the power of freehand writing and to actually write love letters to myself. And this whole process, this philosophical overlay on allowing me to go inside the rabbit hole or Pandora's box was nothing short of amazing. Put it this way, 10,000 self-help books could not have taught me what he taught me. But in that 12-month time frame, something really profound happened. And what his goal was with me is to find who I am at my true core. What is it that I'm here to do? What do I have that nobody else has, can do, be, have, see, it's experience? So through that process, I was writing a lot. And as I was writing, I could see very profound patterns about myself in different stages of my life. There were different things that were playing out, positives, negatives, highs, lows, happy, joy, sad, all of these you know, emotions were playing out. And as I was going through this process, Meg, I actually realized that I am really good at specific things that I find really, really natural to me, that I thought that everybody else does, but in actual fact, they were very, very true to me at a core level. And it was in this 12-month process that I realized that I had this genius zone that I could solve a huge problem in the marketplace just by merging the three loves of my life, which was sales, it was building digital businesses Mm -hmm. and personal branding, which I came face to face with in year 2000. And that's what I had been doing with my sales team is converting them from job title to personal brands. And I was on that trajectory a long, long time ago only I didn't realize that there was currency in that. So here I am now at the end of that 12-month journey with my mentor. I then start realizing that I've got some serious currency because I can solve a really big problem in the marketplace. And I went on that pathway to then go ahead and design my coaching program into a serious system made up of frameworks that I know were tried and tested based on 20 years of my life. And this is where I'm at today. So I started this business in 2015 as a full-time coach consultant. So good. And isn't it true that that thing that is our genius work, that thing that really sings to us, we can discount, we can think, oh, everybody knows how to do that. Or that's not, is that really kind of my claim to fame? And then when other people are agog about it, it's like, really? But it comes so natural to me. So the things that sing to us don't necessarily sing to other people and they need it and people need you. 
And that's what you have found since 2015, huh? Absolutely. And the thing is that it's like, I don't have a job. I don't even have a vocation. I just wake up and do what's natural to me. And that's the most beautiful part about this story is that when you actually understand the power of showing up in your natural state, it takes on a whole new meaning of vocation. It's not a job anymore. You're actually doing what I believe I'm meant to be doing. And what's so amazing is that this is exactly the starting point when I'm working with people. I'm always looking at what do you look like in your natural state, which, by the way, in that 12-month period, I also designed my personal branding algorithm because it's a real algorithm. It's a technology that has been developed. Why? Because I, wanted my, I want my clients to experience that profound experience that I was privileged to be given through my mentor, except I just created it as a business tool so I can actually unpack people and really understand what their personal brand actually looks like in their natural state. And that's the person I want to work with. Oh, that's so good. And as we were talking about with all that you could do and all that you could teach us, what we really want to zero in on today, the issue of authenticity rose to the top. And you were like, you know, we really, we need to pay attention to that. And, and you're going to help us understand that a little bit more. So let's start with, you know, what's so important about authenticity? I want to start by saying, Meg, that we can't be authentic because we already are. You know, if your DNA, my DNA are completely different. So therefore, we already are authentic. We have unique gifts that have been assigned to every single person. And our job is to find how to express those gifts. This is really important. And this is where authenticity plays a huge role in leadership, any type of leadership role, even as a parent, you know, you're still leading as a parent. So authenticity is such a vital ingredient in how we show up in the world. We don't need to pretend to be somebody that we're not. And we see this in social media all the time, you know, uh, wanting to be like the Joneses, uh, wanting to be like that girl or that guy on Instagram that's showing off their, you know, perfect body or their perfect house or the Lamborghini or the perfect boyfriend, partner, whatever. You know, that's not authenticity. That's just what the, what people want you to see outside in because it's perception, you know, unfortunately in our uh, current world has currency. But what I'm talking about is showing up in a meeting, showing up on a phone call with a, with a prospect or showing up on social media as unapologetically yourself that you say things that other people are not prepared to say. You're not afraid to say what other people are not uh, afraid to say because you understand with absolute clarity what it is that you stand for. You know that. You know what your values are. You know what it is that you do. You know who it is that you serve and you absolutely know what it is that, you're, that you promise. So your lane is very crystal clear. There's no smoke and mirrors. There's no, um, I want to be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So you're actually showing up as who you are, as I said before, in your natural state. It's not, I'm trying to be like Meg, I'm Mary 
and I'm vulnerable and I will don't know everything and it's okay that I don't know everything and it's okay that I do share my story like I just did at the beginning of this of this podcast interview because that's the truth absolutely when you work with your clients how often do you need to help them clear away the fog to get to that natural authentic state that's below that that maybe they are so caught up in the the trappings of the of the society that they haven't that they're not quite certain what that what that true dna is what i love about the work that i do is and this makes me laugh all the time i have to make you laugh i had a client in sydney and she's just like full on corporate and she in our first meeting she came really prepared as 99% of my clients are like this this is a typical you know profile and she came in with her myers briggs profile uh, tests and work all these like corporate profile workbooks assessments and so we sat down and she said right now here's my myers briggs and you know this is my assessment and this is who i am and i looked at this assessment and my face was so obvious that she always laughs. And I looked at the, the assessment that she handed over. I looked at her and I said, but I want to know who you are in your natural state, not who you are in this box. Cause that's what they've done. It's just so easy for HR to put you in the box. So suddenly you've got, you know, 5,000 people in the orange box and then yellow box and red box. So that's easy to handle those, all those people in the red box, but I don't want to know about all those people. I just want to know about you. And she said, yes, but everyone says I talk too much and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I said, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. That's who I want to work with. I want to know who you are naturally. And if that means that you talk fast, that's who you are. It's all right. So people have this fixation that they have to tick the box. I have to fit in this little box. I've got to fit the status quo. I have to comply. I have to be obedient. I can't be myself, God forbid, if I think outside of the square. Now let's have a look at why this has happened, Meg. We go to school and we are taught how to be compliant and obedient. You don't ask questions. You learn everything off by heart and you try and get good grades because that right. then gives you currency. Now, then we go into the workforce. That's even worse because now we're put into a real box. Right. Your job description is X, Y, Z, which means that's all you can do. So we don't want to know about your hobbies and your passions outside of nine to five. Don't, we're not interested in that. In fact, don't even talk about that. You just come in here and if you're an account manager, you just do that job. So when I was in my sales director role, I did the opposite and HR had to work around me. I wasn't going to work around HR. My sales team were not account managers and BDMs. They were personal brands. I wanted to know who they were in their natural state what their strengths and passions were and match that human being with a portfolio so that I could get the best out of them and, more importantly, so they can show up every day at work and say, I love coming to work or I love this job because I can be myself. That was the goal. Mm -hmm. Because when I can get somebody to show up every day and they have full permission to be themselves, I am going to get the 24-hour version out of that person. And it's the same with my clients. I have to 
get to their core in order to unpack what I'm looking for so that I can actually help them position themselves and their brand proposition with absolute clarity that then is congruent with what it is that they're bringing into the world in the form of their offer. Awesome. So when you are able to help them clear away the fog and get into who they really are in their natural state, what do you then do with that holistic view? Like how does that view impact everything? It's the foundation that everything needs to come back to because what I'm looking for in that is also, hey, now that I understand what your natural state is, what problem can you solve in the world based on all these wonderful assets that you actually hold and within that is also their skill set okay it's not just their you know their gifts and their passions and their talents mm-hmm. you know and their values but but there are obviously their their natural skills so out of all of that all of those assets that we're un, that we're able to unpack the next part is okay so what problem can you really really solve effortlessly that's a very important word, effortlessly, not what you want to do or not what your friend's doing and you want to do the same, but what problem can you solve effortlessly? That's what I'm looking for. And, and when I can find what that looks like, my client is on fire because they're not trying hard. It's not an uphill battle. They're flowing. They're actually doing what they're meant to be doing because it's not unnatural to the Meg. Oh, it's so good. So then when, when they're effortlessly tapped into what that skill is, what that problem is that they solve, or what that value is that they yes. bring forward, I would think then that that authenticity, that, that, that flow, then can help them create content, can help them like... So what, what, do you, what advice do you give to your clients when they're trying to bring that authentic brand forward when they're, because I get questions all the time about what do I need to think about when I build my website? What do I need to think about when I put things online? What do I, you know, what do I, what do I, so Mary, exactly. what, do I, what do we need to be thinking about? So the thing is that once we understand the, the, the problem that, that they can solve effortlessly, then it makes it really easy to actually then design an actual methodology. So, so when I'm working with a client, it's not a verbal relationship. We're actually creating, designing an infrastructure for them to go from idea to commercialization as quickly as humanly possible. Then there's a series of moving parts that need to be unpacked and implemented. Now, you can't do that if you don't understand who you are as a brand, how you're going to show up in the world and what you're going to offer. So that offer is when we can then design with ease and grace a methodology that they can take me through because I need my client to essentially sell it to me. Show me how you are going to take me through a process from start to promise, okay, and give me transformation along the way. How are you going to do that? And so, and they all do it. They all have to go through this process and they all say, they hate me for two weeks and then they love me, right? Because... (laughs) It's hell, right? But the thing is that they have to make now. That process is critical because then we go back to the personal brand and we say, okay, does this offer match 
who you are in your natural state? Does it match your story? In other words, the mission. My story has set me on this mission. Does that thing that I'm creating and designing as my offer, that's my business, does it actually match what, why I want to do what I'm doing? Does it match my value system? Does it match my expertise that I've had in the last 15 years and my passions and my skill sets outside of my professional life? Does all of this become congruent and do I come across as trustable and believable? That's critical. So authenticity from a business standpoint means that the outside world needs to look at Mary as trustable and believable. It's like this interview right now. Could you imagine if I had all these notes that I was referring to? Like, oh, let me just get back to you on that, uh, Meg. Well, there's no authenticity in it. That would be really like awkward, but it's really about understanding this idea that authenticity is not about just showing up on uh, social media and just telling your story because somebody told you to just be your authentic self. That is a disaster. I call that a brand crisis. What I'm referring to here is be very clear on what you look like as a brand, what problem you can solve, and and making sure that your offer or your coaching program actually matches your story, your skill sets, the problem that you can solve, your values, and most importantly, the mission, that the reason you're, there, there is a valid reason why you're doing what it is that you're doing. You're not just doing it because you're buying a job. You're doing it because there's a genuine story that has set you on this pathway. And that's where authenticity comes into the mix. So good. So when we are in that place of bringing our our story, making that congruent, I heard a lot about congruency. One of the things that I just you sort of represented that just before we started our interview, you were talking about an interview you had and how that um, triggered for you a blog that you just felt compelled to write yes. because it was, it was a let, you know, you had this experience, you wanted to share the, the lessons learned from that. Yes. I mean, and you just went right into writing the blog about it. Immediately, immediately. It was just an, an immediate inspiration. But also what I was writing was a direct match to my belief system. And, you know, that journey that my mentors took me through in that 12-month period, you know, fortunately, you know, just allowed me to think so laterally and, you know, and non-linear, like really outside of my head and just grasp these concepts that are, that are non-linear concepts. They don't match the status quo thinking. It's really outside of the status quo thinking. And I love that because that is a 100% representation of what I stand for. You know, I am a disruptor. So, so naturally I'm going to provoke, you know, conversations that will disrupt mindset, a way of thinking to move people as much as I can, as subtle as I can into that place of understanding what their natural state actually looks like. So what else do we want to be thinking about when we're understanding our brand and and getting clarity around that and being congruent in whatever we do when we're connecting? And there's lots of different ways. What kinds of ways do your clients, I I just double asked a question because I switched the question completely, but I'm wondering, 
what kinds of ways do you encourage your clients to connect with their ideal client, their, their, whoever they're making their offer to? So the first word I want to share with the audience is consistency. This is a really important word. You know, without being consistent, you are not going to be seen and you will not be heard and no one will be tapping you on the shoulder anytime soon, you know, giving you a check or their credit card, you know, wanting to work with you. We don't live in that world, unfortunately. The world that we live in is the world where we have to put ourselves out there and take risks and consistency comes into that notion because we have to use social media as a way, as a platform to start that process, Meg. And this is why I'm so passionate about LinkedIn because it's a platform that still gives us opportunity to still be seen, to be heard, to push our message out there in a beautiful, subtle way, as long as it's strategic and deliberate. It's not random. So when I talk about authenticity on social media, it is strategic and deliberate. In other words, I will stay in my lane. I will not divert outside of my lane. And in my lane, there are very specific categories or topic categories that I will only talk about and never, ever, ever step outside of that boundary. For example, you're not going to ever see me talking about blockchain, you know, technologies or, you know, cryptocurrency or, you know, anything to do with health uh, coaching or nutrition. Mm -hmm. That's not my lane. And I don't need to talk about that. It's of no interest to me and it's of no interest to, you know, my audience, the people that I'm wanting to serve. So that consistency is critical. And another thing that falls under consistency, which I think a lot of people tend to forget, is the look and feel. How do you want the outside world to perceive you? So we have to be highly conscious of of that. You know, what does our brand actually look like to the outside world coming in? Somebody just sent me an invoice, for example. I'm working, I've got a copywriter sending me um, some copy. And I looked at that invoice and I thought, oh my God, like that's really just a white Word document with just some black type, which he's a copywriter. And I'm thinking, that's really bad branding. Somebody might be saying, Mary, come on, it's an invoice. But that's the point. You know, we need to be, we need to have that brand consistency across every touch point. Every touch point should be our brand, our colors, you know, and I think that we forget the importance of that. And why am I so passionate about it? I've proven it. I can't tell you, Meg, how many people meet me or speak to me, whether it be prospects in real life, on a podcast, whatever, and how many people will say to me, Mary, every time I see hot pink, I always think of you. (laughs) Gotta love that. Right? Yeah. that's what I mean with consistency. This is what, this is a really important aspect of branding, but also it's also about authenticity in the sense that that's my color. That's it. Well, I was going to say, that's color. you. I mean, that's just you. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So, and I want people to understand that when they see pink, it's, I can't tell you, it just, it blows me away. How many people say, when I see pink, immediately you come to my mind and that's very powerful. I was going to say that's a good, good situation to have established. Absolutely. Exactly. 
So consistency. And, and the other thing, and this is a little like uh, Meg's being like your English teacher or whatever, but that, that brand goes through everything. I got an email yesterday from somebody who was laid off, was looking for freelance work. And there were like three typos in the email that was sent. And I thought, you are, want me to, to consider you for social media and you couldn't even make sure that your email like really represented a brand of, of like quality. So I just encourage everybody to really think about what is it that you're putting out there as you're building yep. your brand? What is it? What is it that every single thing that comes from you represents who you are? Yeah, we have to be clear, as I, as I mentioned before, we really need to be clear on what our lane actually looks like and just stick to that. There is so much abundance in that lane. You know, I'm talking here micro niching, you know, like you really go, you know, deep into that niche or that area that you want to specialize in and just stay there because that is all that's required to actually build a really profitable and scalable business. And I think that and all other touch points that surround that, your website has to be perfect. It has, it's the shop front. We actually forget, you know, I can't tell you how many people, Meg, just that I know have, don't even care about their website. I'm the opposite. I'm like, you better care about that website because people will go to your website. And when I work with my clients, we actually use the website for everything, you know, the registration page, the opt-in page, the application page to, for a strategy call. So the website is a big deal. It's the shop front. You know, the LinkedIn profile is a shop front, mm-hmm. you know. So if anyone is listening to this and they are a coach and they're servicing, you know, uh, businesses or, you know, professionals, you know, LinkedIn is the place to be and people will be looking at your profile and checking out your social currency to see, hey, is this person active? Do they really know? Do they, are they posting? What are they posting? And when people don't see an image or a header on your LinkedIn profile, that is an opportunity absolutely lost. Because remember the 10 second rule, it only takes 10 seconds to form a first impression. And that is absolutely valid on a platform like LinkedIn. So good. Let's go back to something that you just said that I know particularly coaches who are trying to get their get their traction, get their really struggle with, which you said, the power of micro-niching. And what I hear repeatedly is, well, if I say that I'm only going to work with this population, you know, we're, we're in that place of trying to, to build our business and get, who am I t- sending away? So the fear there is I'm blocking myself off to other people. And I would love for you to take that, take that thought forward. Well, I am passionate about being very clear on the problem that you can solve and who needs that problem solved. That's it. Okay. So that's a micro niche. That is not everybody. Even niching down, if you're actually wanting to work with, say, in the B2B space, actual businesses in the B2B space, well, what type of business do you want to work with? You know, is it a software company? Is it a hardware? Is it accounting? Is it legal? Like be very clear on that lane because you'll get way more attraction and you will be known as the go-to person if you just stay in that micro niche. Now, here's the other problem. We are entering into 
an economy where there's a lot of people that are unemployed at the moment and who are also will be competing with people like me who have got 20 years experience. Suddenly they're a personal branding expert because they read five books. Okay. We are competing with what I call textperts. That's what we're competing with now. This is actually a serious problem and something that we need to take very seriously. It's like the prospect that I was talking to this afternoon who spent $15,000 having a sales funnel built, which is ridiculous, but, and it's not going anywhere. It's not, nothing is working for that, for that prospect because they bought into a concept that somebody has went to a course, learned how to build sales funnels, and now they're selling high ticket right? Which is okay. But the point being is that we must micro niche because there is an abundance of clients in that space. You know, Meg, I don't work with everybody. For example, if somebody was wanting to start a coaching business and they don't meet that 10,000 hour rule of experience, I won't work with them. That's my benchmark. I'm very clear on that. And there's a reason for that. You know, I don't care. I'm impartial on the industry. But most of the people that I work with, they have had a professional background. So they can validate that 10,000 hour rule. It's my benchmark, uh, Meg. So we get caught up in this idea. You're absolutely right. Oh, if I just say that I just work in this niche, what about that niche? And what about that one? And you know what happens to those people? 12 months later, they haven't made a sale. They haven't got a business. There's not, they're still in the same place that they were, you know, 12 months ago. Because why? We are in an unbelievably noisy economy. And mm-hmm. to be seen and to be heard, you need to be very, very clear on what you do, who you serve, and what you promise. And if you can't articulate those three things in one sentence, you are going to have some serious issues in attracting or not even attracting, pulling the right people towards you. Now, if, if I can just say one more thing to that. Of Meg. course. The other thing on, on, the other, on the flip side of that is how do you create meaningful content that has high perceived value on a platform like LinkedIn if you want to talk to everybody? How do you do that? So who are you targeting? I mean, because LinkedIn is made up of a lot of people, for example. A lot of people from a lot of different interests. And and, and there's going to be people who, I mean, there's, I I cannot imagine trying to meet every need on LinkedIn. It doesn't even, it it blows my, yeah, it's just impossible. It's impossible. So when I'm on LinkedIn, I'm very clear on who I'm targeting. I know the content that I'm creating is specifically and exclusively for my network on LinkedIn. It's all I'm interested in serving. I'm not there to serve 650 million people. I'm only there to serve my connections and the people that follow my content. That's it, right? And that's really all you need. You couldn't serve 600 million people either. I mean, yeah. You cannot. And Uh, Who am I to even think that I could? Like, it's ridiculous. And so by having that clarity and micro-niching, it just takes away so much pressure. And then you, and you're very clear on how you create your collateral, the language that you use on social media, on your website, uh, on interviews, how you want to be introduced. There is such huge opportunity to micro-niche because 
everything around you then becomes consistent, congruent, easy, and you slowly, slowly and subtly start to become the go-to person for that area of expertise. That's it. And that's the other thing I want people to hear. It's Mary might look like an overnight sensation, but she built what she's got. Absolutely. We all build to where we are. So it's not a, you know, I'm going to become a coach and flip a switch and have, you know, all the clients that I could ever imagine because it's a process. You're building your credibility. You're building your brand. You're building the value that you bring so that you, as Mary said, slowly become the go-to person in that particular area. So I think when we set ourselves up to think it's going to be easy and it's just going to be no work. And I mean, Mary's clients work, they work hard because as, as you said, you know, they might hate you for those two weeks, but they're going to love you afterwards. (laughs) But they do, but you're right. It's a process, you know, and it's not just a process make, but there's also a lot of gathering of data, mining the data, making sense of the data, receiving the feedback, understanding what that feedback actually looks like. You know, I spent two years advertising on Facebook before I transitioned to LinkedIn and, you know, and I was not really getting a really good ROI on Facebook. But what I did get is the learning the wisdom and the knowledge that I couldn't have, I couldn't get that anywhere else. It was impossible. So when I transitioned to LinkedIn, I just applied everything that I learned on Facebook over to LinkedIn and things were flowing. And that was because I spent so much time understanding social media analyzing metrics and data and just really getting myself in a space of immersing myself and understanding you know how the algorithm actually works what actually goes on what are all the data points that i really need to understand once you understand that and you educate yourself then everything else seems it, will, it just starts to flow but linkedin for me has been almost a two year journey of just just being consistent every single day, creating high quality content that has positioned me as the go-to person now in personal branding. And it's taken a, a long time, but the last two years have been really crucial in setting that the benchmark in what I want to be known for. Okay. So our time is coming to a close and I'm just wondering if there's anything that I haven't asked or anything that's really outstanding for you that you're thinking, I I just want to get this last piece in. I think, you know, my advice to anyone that's, that's listened to this is start if you're, and, and especially if you're not moving forward in your business or you're stuck or you're thinking, I'm just going to give up, you know, it's not working for me. It's not meant to be for me, or I'm not monetizing. Understand that it's not there's nothing wrong with you. It's the first thing I really need to say that there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with your specialization. It's understanding what the moving parts actually look like. And the starting point is to really understand yourself. Forget about the value proposition, the USP, all of that marketing jargon that you've bought into. Just push that aside for a moment. Just get into yourself. 
and really understand very clearly, what are my values? What are my values? Because you know what? If we don't understand what our values are, how do we know what type of clients we want, we want in our life? I will not engage anybody if their values are not aligned with mine. Why? Because it becomes the client from hell. That's my benchmark. That's it. That's the metric I use, right? So we have to understand our values. We really need to understand what's natural to us and what's not natural to us. So if you're running a business right now and it is a coaching or consulting business and it doesn't, it's not flowing, maybe, just maybe, you're not actually authentically yourself. Maybe there's aspects of that business that you've drawn from other people because you think it's a value add. It's not a value add. Pull it out and set yourself free. You're better off having less than more if it, because the less will actually allow you to flow in the right direction. Oh, thank you for that. I know you've given so much good food for thought and just sharing your incredible expertise has been such a joy. Thank you for, for joining us today. Thank you, Meg. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. So there you go. Some rich information about your authentic personal brand, how that impacts the way that you align who you are with what you offer to be genuine, to be passionate, to really tap into your purpose. I'm so thankful to Mary Henderson for staying up late in Australia to be able to do this interview with me and share her expertise with us. It was such a joy. If you'd like to be able to follow Mary, learn more about what she offers, all of her information is in the show notes at starcoachshow.com, episode 194. I invite you back next week when we are actually visited by another Australian, the CEO of Game Changers, Barry Magalidity, is going to talk with us about our relationship and mindset toward money and how that impacts the pricing of our services, the way that we show up in the business relationship with our clients and in that partnership great information. I'm super excited to introduce you to Barry next week. So be sure to come back. And if you're enjoying the show, I would be so appreciative of a rate and review at Apple Podcasts. Every positive rate and review we receive brings more coaches to the show and gives them access to this great expertise that our guests bring forward. And my goal is to have over a 100 reviews by episode 200, which is right around the corner. So I would appreciate a rate and review. Thank you so much in advance. If you have coaching questions or would like to be a part of a coaching community, be sure to like my Facebook page, Star Coaches, and join us every Wednesday morning for Wednesday's Wisdom, where we look at some coaching aspect and do some Q&A with you about that. The time fluctuates a little bit. So you're going to want to follow the Star Coach Show page to know when that's going to be every Wednesday. And bring your questions. Let's have a discussion. 
Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.